0: Hey, everyone. Uh, welcome to the Oregon Libertarian Podcast. Uh, I'm Will Hobson. Uh, I'm joined by my uh, guest host, Peter. Uh, I'm not guest. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I'm just going in and trying to uh, post links to this podcast on a couple different places. Uh, should be being joined here in just a moment by Travis West, who is the new chair of the Public Policy Board uh, for the Libertarian Party of Oregon, which is going to be kind of uh, the way we uh, get out the message of
1: what libertarians stand for in Oregon. Um, how are you doing, Peter? Pretty good. Uh, thanks for having me again, Will. I was just I was just thinking about before this uh, how we kind of made this, how we got people to get to the last like Oregon convention, like we decided even though we know now that some people wanted this, maybe this board to be a type of poison pill. We're like, this is why we need to come to the next Oregon convention, because we don't have an ability to talk about policy right now. And we need to. So, I mean, that's what I was using as to try to convince people when I was just messaging people and calling people, et cetera. And, uh, it just seems like, I don't know, I'm just so happy that this is finally happening, happy to be on the public policy board and happy Travis's chair. And uh, we're really kind of getting things moving right now. So,
0: yeah, no, it's it's definitely been years since we we kind of set out on this endeavor, <laughs> um, and it's kind of like a it's it's really quite a straitjacket we've uh, finally been able to claw ourselves out of. Uh, essentially, our bylaws for the Libertarian Party of Oregon for the last. It seems like the last decade uh, have made it impossible for the Libertarian Party of Oregon to take a public policy stance on something, and a lot of libertarians think that's a good thing. Um, They, if I'm trying to be as charitable as possible to their point of view, they think that if, I, I think they think that if the Libertarian Party of Oregon takes a strong stance on any one issue, it will essentially turn off of the libertarians and may think a different way and that will make the party smaller and that or you know not as effective or cause infighting. Um and I don't know. Do you feel like that's a pretty fair way to describe their um their concerns?
1: Yeah, I think the only thing that isn't fair about that is that there's a lot of them. <laughs> they seem to be in the minority. And I think that most people are really happy what, that we're doing, uh, what we're doing now. I think that they just think that maybe libertarians are too divided on very specific issues that they don't want to talk about. But in all honesty, I mean, those aren't the issues that we want to talk about on the public policy board for the most part. So.
0: Right. Uh, it, it, it's, I, I definitely don't agree with that. Uh, I was just trying to give them as a charitable uh, interpretation yeah. as possible. But no, I, I think that you know, I personally think. Oh, there's Travis. I personally think that um, not having a message is far more damaging to the Libertarian Party of Oregon than have uh, than, you know having a message that maybe doesn't appeal to everyone. You know, <laughs> I think we we do ourselves. I mean, because why would you join a political organization if there's if there's so little behind you know the purpose of that organization if they can't you know speak out and be like hey this is why we're forming an organization it's like uh, okay you know like we okay i I get it like this is why you you're here but you know if you can't you know preach that message of like hey this is why we're doing what we're doing then it really limits i think or yeah it really limits who is going to be a part of that organization because I, i don't know i I personally feel like I need to have a reason to spend my precious time and money on, on projects. So like, I'm not just going to, I'm not just in the libertarian party just to be a contrarian and just be like, Oh, cool. I'm in this, you know, hip different party. That's not like the other parties. Like I'm, I'm here for a reason and I I want that reason to be broadcast out there. But uh, yeah, let me uh, introduce, uh, Travis uh, West, Uh, he is the new chair of the, like I said, the uh, uh, Libertarian Party of Oregon's Public Policy Board. Uh, He's going to be running the meetings, kind of helping, uh, you know, uh, herd people into voting for different uh, possible public policy stances that the Libertarian Party of Oregon is going to take. And I know that in addition to his work... uh, doing that he's also the chair of the newly formed sherman county uh libertarian party uh and he is very quickly turning sherman county into the the crown jewel of the lpo so uh with that being said travis you want to unmute and say hi thanks for coming on how are you guys oh we're doing great yeah it's a yeah, busy week yeah for sure
1: so, um, I was kind of thinking maybe, what's, uh, uh, how do you feel about the public policy board? Uh, uh, the maybe the PPB, maybe if you could uh, ask us well, why just just you, say how yeah, we you kind out of to game be... red pill, sure, how we came I to the libertarian party and then we can transition to that. <laughs> oh yeah, sure. Sorry. Sorry.
0: <laughs> okay. Sorry. Go ahead.
2: <laughs> yeah. That sounds, that sounds like a plan. So I've been a conservative, uh, like Republican, I would say, for my whole adult life. At least that's what I would uh, identify as. And uh, eventually, so I've always been kind of red-pilled. But then I, uh, really over the COVID, the response to COVID, uh, you know, the Democratic and Republican response to COVID, they're both horrendous. And I was just really disappointed. And so that kind of forced me to look elsewhere to see who was more principled on the topics of liberty in general. And so I ended up finding, you know, liberty speakers like Dave Smith and Michael Malice. And Michael Malice in particular was someone that really influenced me. I've worked in government my whole uh, adult life, essentially. And so he really opened my eyes to a lot of uh, I guess he he made me even more red pilled, I, I guess you could say, uh, and and actually he helped me. Well, he he radicalized me, is what I would say. But uh, I realized that there are private options to essentially everything out there that you don't necessarily have to have a government solution to certain things, which is something I used to believe. You know, particularly with like fire and police and courts and prisons, the idea that you can have private solutions to everything, and you can still have rules and structure in your society without government. You know, those were like ideas that uh, Malice and Smith introduced me to, and I th- found them very compelling. And then I was also taking a look at the Mises Caucus takeover earlier this year. i had been following the Mises Caucus for a while. I really liked their messaging. And once I saw how successful they were, I realized that the Libertarian Party Nationally was something I can put my energy and time into that it would be worth it, and so I became much more active, and I made that transition, and I haven't looked back.
1: Great! I mean, we're so happy to have you in the party, Travis. I mean, we've we've met before and uh, had had breakfast, and hope to hang out soon, maybe at the next uh, LPO Halloween party. So maybe this is a good transition to. Uh, your experience, I guess, in your city council position, and then maybe plans for the LPL Public Policy Board and kind of what we're thinking around that, which I am a member of, by the way, if I didn't mention that. So,
2: Yeah, so yeah, I'm also a city councilman for my local uh, city, and uh, that's been an interesting experience. You know, that's something that's new to me, but it's it's been fun. Um, and then, yeah, we also formed the Sherman County Libertarian Party. So we're, we're just trying to, you know, we have all this energy, a lot of libertarians in the area, and we're trying to organize and make some change and kind of just spread the liberty, the liberty message around here. And so, uh, I don't know how many folks are aware, but the Libertarian Party of Oregon, um, recently had a primary, right, this year, and then there were some changes to the bylaws, and that allowed the creation of a public policy board. And so what that board is, is 11 voting member positions. Uh, So we had a bunch of people apply for this. The first round were appointed by the um, board of directors. And so the next round will actually be elected by the LP membership. So we have 11 voting members and it's uh, we have a few jobs, right? And so in general, it has to do with messaging for the Libertarian Party of Oregon. And, you know, that might be obvious <laughs> why that's important, but you, you just can't have silence on these public policy issues. Uh, and, you know, even as someone that's organizing at the county level, people are going to ask, Hey, what do you believe in? What What is your party platform? What is your party's take on, you know, issue X or issue Y? And you want to be able to give them some resource or some answer. <laughs> right now you can like, you know, point to the national level, the Libertarian Party nationally, you know, will have a platform that's pretty solid that you can point to, or you might have, you know, your county affiliate might be organized to the point where it can, it can have a message and a voice, but now we can appoint at the state level. We can say, Hey, that the libertarian party of Oregon has this stance on this public policy, or, you know, as far as this position or, you know, this issue, this is, this is our take, this is what we believe. And so that allows us to get the Liberty message out there. It allows us to more easily recruit people. It allows us to, it really, it's just absolutely necessary to have this in order to move ahead and affect change and to grow and to be a more uh, political, you know, a better political force in the state of Oregon.
1: Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I'm really excited about everything we're working on. Um, We got a lot of drafts in the hopper here. Um, We're excited to Get those going, and really, we're just really excited for the LPO social media to be able to talk about policy issues. Which I think is the main thing about it. We have some maybe competing ideas about how the the board is going to work, but um, happy to have you here to talk about it. Uh, Will, where do you think we should uh, take the conversation next? Um i think
0: we could uh talk a little bit more about um what uh, maybe some issues that you know that are potentially on the the docket for maybe discussing i mean obviously <clears throat> anything that we say is not the because we're we're all involved in libertarian party of oregon some way but uh anything we say is not meant to be construed as you know the uh, position of the Libertarian Party of Oregon, but we can talk about maybe some things we would like to uh, get an official statement be uh, put out by the Libertarian Party of Oregon, so that can be uh, its official position. Uh, so we can discuss that. Uh, what issues that we uh, or, or What issues are you guys currently working on? I'm on the committee as well as a non-voting member, just kind of an observer and advisor. Uh, but I know you guys are having some pretty intense discussion and voting right now. Uh, what are some things you guys are are working on? So we
2: recently had our first meeting, and that's kind of where we just initially had to organize and we had to choose a chair and a secretary. And we're still at that stage in this group where we need to figure out because it's brand new, right? So we need to figure out how are we going to do this? How are we going to function efficiently? in order to get what we need to do done. And there's a lot of tasks that we have and they all kind of have their own deadlines. And, you know, there's 11 of us, plus, you know, any non-voting member that that joins. And so everyone's gonna have like their own passions and like their own issues that they wanna focus on. And so we're still kind of in that phase where we're figuring out the logistics and it's absolutely necessary to do this. And then it'll actually be a lot smoother, I think, for the next round of the board or the uh, public policy board. So we'll be able to kind of transition a nice little machine over to the next group, I hope. But some of the uh, issues that we're tackling so far. So we have uh, draft resolutions regarding the National Guard of Oregon, especially in terms of, you know, when can. And the national guard be mobilized and deployed overseas you know and so there's there's discussions about you know there needs to be an active uh act by congress a declaration of war you know which we haven't had i believe since world, world war ii so there's you know some discussion about that um, then there's also the universal health care issues that are affecting oregon there's a lot of legislature uh focused on universal health care specifically in oregon So we're kind of wanting to address that. And then the topic of the death penalty was recently brought up. And then also the war in Yemen, where while that's more of a federal issue, it's important as a state party to, you know, say what we think about those kind of issues. And if we support something or if we denounce something, we need to let it be known and kind of do our part to support, you know, the national efforts and the... With those resolutions, you know, those draft resolutions, you know, those are kind of what our topics of discussion are centered around for now, but we also have like, what we've run into is the realization that there's a lot of things that we have to do, right? So we're responsible for coming up with the uh, the platform, the public policy platform. And so that might be like, what is our issue on X or Y? And there's not necessarily a deadline or this absolute need to get that really flushed out really, really quickly, as opposed to other issues where you might have uh, the Oregon legislature trying to get some crazy measure through, and it might be important for us to get ahead of a deadline or ahead of voting, or it might be important for us to be able to make public comments to address those measures that are going to affect us that we might have a lot of opinions on. And so we kind of have to have like, you know, a quick response team (laughs) where we can kind of move fast between meetings and address these, you know, legislative legislative issues that are kind of on their own deadlines. And then we also have the overall public policy platform that we kind of want to uh, flush out and make sure it's nested in our national platform and whatnot. And so, we have to work out all the logistics of all of that um, in these next few months, and so we're moving pretty fast. Though we have a lot of passion, a lot of energy, and we're we're knocking out resolutions. And we haven't approved any yet, but uh, you know we've only we're only moving into our second meeting at the end of this month, and so I think we're moving pretty fast. I'm feeling pretty confident about it.
0: Uh, that's great. Um, <clears throat> uh, I did want to ask you. Um, if you have uh, if you've seen any of the other uh, candidates that are currently uh, running for governor or, or any of the platforms of the other parties right now here in Oregon are you seeing any uh, deficits in their messaging uh, that you you think that we have there are any opportunities for the libertarian Party of Oregon to kind of step into um, uh, I, I, I haven't personally listened to the debate the debates I don't I'd rather. Stab my ears with an ice pick, but uh, the i am sure there there's some things that they're leaving out, some issues that they're leaving unresolved um, is there um, and I guess I could ask you too, Peter, since you're a voting member on the public policy board uh, is there are there any uh, issues that you think we can step in and fill the void
1: yeah i mean I don't think the issue of inflation is really being adequately addressed by anyone. Who's running for governor? I think Leon's probably talked about it. Um, but I think that's, that's probably a main thing. It's a thing that's affecting us all. I'm trying to think of other issues. But yeah, I don't really know that much about the. I, I know Tina Kotak, obviously, is um, Kate Brown's protege. And I don't know that much about Drazen, but Travis. Is a does look like we have some uh... – oh, go ahead, Travis. <laughs> Sorry.
2: So it's my understanding that like Drazen and Kotec are pretty close in the polls. And it that's kind of exciting because I don't remember the last time the Republicans had remotely a chance, at least in appearance, uh, to win the governorship here. And so – and then you have President Biden visiting Oregon. And there's a lot of like news articles I've noticed uh, in the headlines at least where you know the idea of govern- um, of – The state of Oregon flipping red might be like an actual thing. So that's kind of interesting because my my personal perception of Oregon is that it's pretty left wing. And uh, I think it's been left wing for, I don't know, my whole life probably. So um, I don't have a lot of, this is me personally speaking, I don't have a lot of hope for the state of Oregon at the state level at this point. Uh, But it's kind of interesting to see this race because I'm surprised by the results so far as far as polling anyways. um, I personally am more passionate about county and below politics. I like the idea of trying to encourage libertarian candidates to be in positions of power and influence at the county level and below where those positions can be used to nullify all the crazy stuff the state of Oregon tries to pass or successfully passes. And so I kind of, I'm more hopeful and more focused on that. And so I don't really follow a lot of the you know, the governor race kind of debates and stuff. But, it, you know, a lot of it's because of my past experience with that level of politics and just kind of like this hopelessness <laughs> that comes with anyone that's not like a devout Democrat in Oregon, basically. That's, that's my opinion.
1: Yeah, I think this red wave is pretty interesting that's happening in Oregon. I think once people realize that are in the red wave, that a Republican Party is going to fail them and ultimately not do anything that they want them to do. I think we have a huge opportunity of the Libertarian Party to kind of peel those people off. And just, I really think that in Oregon, we have an opportunity to become the second largest party in Oregon against the Democrats. And I think over the next uh, couple of years, I think hopefully we'll start seeing that happening. Um, I do see that we have a number of listeners here, I guess somebody that was uh, wanting to speak earlier. And I'm wondering uh, if that's okay with you, Will, does anyone have any Questions for Travis, now that we have him here, about the Public Policy Board?
0: Yeah, feel free to uh, jump in the queue. Uh, I, I will say that, personally, um, I've been seeing a lot of mailers come in from the Republicans, and it you have to look, you really have to look, like, all over their mailer, all over their website and their social media to find any reference to the to the thing that just happened the the lockdowns and the mandates and i like there is a brief there's like the briefest of mentions of the mandates on uh drazen's website and uh i I just like floored that it's not like its own page or there's not like a, a video about it like maybe she's mentioning it in the debates but like i said i i have a hard time forcing myself to listen to the the duopoly debate itself it's it's kind of like listening to um, you know uh, 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 uh you know somebody with a, a what is the word what, what word i'm thinking of the a mime or kind of mime ventriloquist dummy sorry yeah ventriloquist debating with its own dummy like that's kind of what i i feel like a, a, a duopoly debate is nowadays but i um i really just floored that they're all getting into the same messaging of we've we've got to re- raise the police budget. We've got to we got to, uh, you know, get really hard on like, uh, you know, increasing the police presence. And I am definitely sympathetic with, you know, like trying to figure out ways to tackle like the crime and the, you know, that's really, you know, just inflicting serious damage to the Portland's economy. But, you know, Drazen talking about increasing the state police from like, uh, like drastically. And I really, really, really don't like the idea of an aggressive, large state police force that is going to be developed by the Republicans. And then, you know, 68 years later, then the Democrats get back in power. They're going to have that, you know, beefed up police presence at their beck and call that they can use now, uh, and I, I honestly think that one of the reasons, you know, maybe life was a little bit easier, you know, during the lockdowns and stuff is that they they, they had relatively weakened their police force. So there, it was, there was some, uh, some limit to like how much, you know, they could do how much, like they could brutally enforce things. And I know Travis is in law enforcement. So, uh, I, I will say really quickly that Travis is one of the good ones. And, uh, I, 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 I know a lot of people like to say ACAB, uh, but I I do think there are some good people that want to do good in the law enforcement field. I feel really strongly though that the uh, the system turns good people makes good people essentially it forces them into kind of like a bad set of choices that there, there's there's not a whole lot of getting out of. But um, I'm sure Travis probably has something he wants to say to that, but. <laughs> But uh, yeah, from what I've seen, uh, they're they're doing a lot of really good, a uh, lot of good in Sherman County. And uh, I think Travis is tr- kind of bending over backwards to be a, a you know, uh, a someone who definitely always leans on the side of Liberty when it comes to carrying out his, his job in, in Sherman. You're muted if you're trying to talk. Uh, right yeah,
2: so... Yeah, my opinion in general about funding, like law enforcement and those kind of enforcement um, agencies in general, I suppose, almost every like federal agency has some sort of law enforcement component to it. It's, It's kind of surprising. Or maybe not, maybe it shouldn't be surprising. But, you know, if, you know, we can point to a lot of like, state and federal laws that are passed that are just outright uh, concerning, right? Like they seem like they are obviously in violation of, of the constitution, you know, at state and federal levels, but they're, you know, they pass still. And, you know, maybe they get challenged, you know, years and however many millions of dollars later. But in the meantime, you know, they their laws in the book and, You know, ultimately, those laws don't really matter unless there's someone enforcing them, right? And so, like, it's people. I understand, like, a lot of like good folks want to just support law enforcement, but I, you know, and I I work in law enforcement. I am concerned because it's law enforcement that will ultimately go and enforce these crazy gun laws and these COVID restrictions potentially. Uh, I mean, a few years ago, it was a misdemeanor crime in Oregon to have, you know, X amount of people at your house for Thanksgiving. (laughs) And I don't, I didn't hear anyone getting arrested for that, but you could easily have the wrong people in law enforcement positions enforcing that. And they would have been, you know, at that time legally justified to do it. And so I'm very skeptical about, you know, enforcement in general and I think Republicans are kind of waking up to this idea because you know it was Republicans that created the Patriot Act and now they're kind of getting a taste of that being used against them. And you have to think about that. Like you might think it's a good idea to have this amazing, huge, super um, police force that's really good at its job enforcing you know, the laws that you agree with, but you have to think like maybe in a year or two, you might have different legislators and different politicians and pe- different people in power and all of a sudden that you know well-oiled machine enforcement machine, machine is going to be used against you to take away your liberty and whatnot and so it's just something to keep in mind um you know ultimately i'm kind of looking at it as we're constantly fighting over state and federal powers because they're very very powerful and they're constantly being wielded against our opponents and like the Supreme Court, like if the justice is Democrat, Republican is super important or appointed by Republican or Democrat is super important because they're going to have a huge amount of influence and power over policy in the, in, in the United States. And that's a problem. Like that just tells me that the state and federal uh, governments are just too powerful. And so we need to roll it back. And the only party trying to do that is the Libertarian Party.
0: Yeah. That that's what I think. Uh I, I definitely think that uh a future strategy could definitely involve uh, you know, seeking out, you know, sheriff and uh judge races or I think those are some of the most important uh nonpartisan local races. And now currently we don't uh concern ourselves with the nonpartisan races, but I know there is some talk in the party about maybe that, that changing by the next convention, but We'll, we will see how that works out. Uh, did you want to uh, say something
1: here? Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say, I, I think that what happened to Uvalde was a huge red pill for Red America. Uh, just realizing that, oh, we just assumed the police are there to protect us. And they saw like all the horrible things about what was happening, like the school shooting and how, I mean, it took like almost two hours for them to do anything about it. and And also just, you're right. I mean, Those nonpartisan races like sheriff, for instance, like if we could get a libertarian sheriff in a county, then I mean, that would just be a game changer just because they decide kind of what laws they want to enforce and what laws they don't. And I think that really gives people a position of, you know, real, real authority in a way that we can enforce like libertarian values. So I guess specifically not enforce them. So I don't know, maybe that's a good transition to what's happening in your county, Travis, if you want to speak on that.
2: Well, like there is one example that I use all the time, which I already already used, right? So, like you know, Thanksgiving misdemeanor. If you assemble your family <laughs> and have a good time, like uh, no, no, you know, you're going to have like even in our area, we have people uh, reporting families and reporting other people, reporting businesses for violating these COVID mandates, and so th- you're going to have those people in your community that kind of. Um, you know want the government to be used against you because the, and maybe they think they have a good reason because they believe you know that you're hurting your family and hurting people and hurting the the community in general, i suppose, and yeah, it's kind of like what we already said, like if you have people in positions of influence and power that can not do that by not acting, you're nullifying those mandates and those lockdowns and those rules and those laws it's the same same uh principle when it comes to like your red flag laws like if you're if you're serving a restraining order but you're refusing to seize everyone's weapons that's you know at that time and and you're not or if you're um using your you know as a law enforcement officer if you're using your discretion and choosing not to you know detain or arrest someone for something that you think is completely, you know, unconstitutional, then, you know, you have the ability to do that. There's only a few instances where you're required by law to make an arrest usually anyways. And so there's a lot of like leeway there, especially with law enforcement. But, you know, if you can, I think with, especially with like COVID, that's kind of like my biggest concern lately um, because I don't know if they'll ever come back, right? Like they could, we kind of got a taste of that authoritarianism from the state and they can still do it. Right. And I kind of want to get ahead of that and be proactive and have a plan in case they do it again. And I think my theory here is if you have enough businesses, enough people, enough of the community that are kind of on the same page and they're willing to be courageous and just, you know, do your own thing, ignore Ignore these state mandates. I, you know, I think that's promising. It's harder to do it by yourself if you think you're by yourself, but if as a community come together and kind of resist this, you know, what you think is tyrannical, you know, I think that's a good idea. I think that's the obvious solution. And, uh, you know, that's that's the reason we're trying to organize as a county party, just to encourage that kind of idea and that mindset and organize around it so that we know that we're not alone in responding like that. Uh, You know, some of the other things that kind of come to mind is, you know, the state wielded its power around licensing and certifications. So for example, they might say, hey, if you're a law enforcement officer, you need to get the COVID vaccine or you will lose your state certification. Or if you're a nurse or your doctor, you're gonna get your certification or licenses pulled if you don't do what we say <laughs> or the Department of Education might say, hey, school, you are to locked down. You're, you're to school uh, from home. You're to require all your staff to get vaccinated uh, or else, you know, you just guess. Right. They kind of control the funding and whatnot. And so if you have that kind of like state power over your professions, over your licensing, over your schools and your public Kind of sector systems that you have going on then that's a, a weapon against you right they have leverage against you right. they have leverage against your community and so it would be nice to try to escape that leverage and try to think of alternative solutions which could be hard because a lot of it's you know oregon revised statute protected so it'll be interesting you know it's an interesting uh struggle ahead.
0: yeah uh totally yeah i just i just want to remind people that you know uh don't be shocked when the republicans you know fail on on this issue spectacularly do very little or pretend like it never happened because it would actually require some you know some serious moral convictions and some bravery and to be fair there are one or two um republicans out there and i'm not endorsing in them and i'm not telling you to vote for them i'm not uh But if uh, people that maybe you can, you know, look at that are, we would uh, probably like to have more uh, people like that in our party. And maybe they could be people that we tried to recruit and bring over to our party in the future. People like Ben Edel, uh, who I've worked with on Free Oregon, is really, really good at this. And I find that people that are the best on this are people that have been harmed by the state pretty pretty spectacularly. that usually is kind of like almost like a superhero origin story is like, you know, something terrible happens and you decide to take on a, uh, a quest to to right a wrong or an injustice. But um, yeah, I I definitely think that in the, the years to come, I, I would really hope that we don't let people forget about that issue and that we, we keep pushing that. Because I think a lot of people are forever are forever changed by it and maybe a lot of them are going to be forever motivated
1: by what they saw yeah i mean i was just gonna say that i, I mean so. dave smith says this but remember there were three good republican governors on COVID. three the rest of them were just as awful as the democrats were i mean all of them had COVID.
0: well and only one uh, yeah didn't do anything
1: like only one
0: like stood up and said like i'm not i'm not doing anything and the other two they caved they did st- they did lock down for a while. Yeah.
1: So like, that's all we got. I mean, I gave up a an incredibly cushy job at the largest company in Oregon um, because I refused to be vaccinated. So, I mean, I think it changed all of our job, all of our lives, all of our careers, and that, and everything. So, the the few of us that were willing to just yeah. say like, "Hey, we're not doing this," that, I mean, we have to stick together because uh, we never know what they're going to put at us next
0: yeah I think the 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 most sobering thing uh, that I saw from the whole pandemic is how many people are lean authoritarian, and that really is the 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 struggle is between the uh, the authoritarians and the thing that is the opposite of that, which is the libertarians. so uh, and I, and I, I definitely think of libertarian like small libertarians and a little bit more of a broader spectrum than other people but if you're anti-authoritarian like if you would never think to call up your neighbor because eight people were hanging out in their living room like that's for that's a pretty good start you know On <laughs> honestly i just kind of consider that basic human decency but you know it was uh yeah the pandemic revealed a lot of things so. for sure i've been telling people that we are the leave
2: me alone party uh,
0: i mean uh, i i like that too i feel like there's a sense of like uh like you know screw off i'm a hermit to that uh i i personally like saying we're the the every everything everything with consent party like uh, you know everything must have consent otherwise it's it's not libertarian you know it's like that's we 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 can't just say tell other people to do what we want because we think it's it's for the best like even even if it is for the best you don't ha you don't get to tell another human how they get to live their life so uh if it's not hurting anyone else there's no no victim, no crime it's kind of how I like to preach it, but uh yeah, uh, I know we're getting on a little bit for uh this one uh did, did you guys have any Peter do you have any other questions for travis or? If anybody wants to call in and ask a question, this is when you would want to jump in the call in line really quick in the next like 30 seconds to a minute, Um, we can take your call. But uh, did you have anything else you wanted to ask Travis, Peter?
1: No, I think I'm good. Just really excited to uh, get to work. I mean, looks like we're gonna pass our first resolution here, maybe within the night.
0: Oh man. I'm so excited. It's been years since we've <laughs> been uh, on this uh, journey to try to take the gag out of the Libertarian Party of Oregon's mouth and, like, be able to just say anything, so.
1: oh Yeah, I put forward a resolution to uh, end all U.S. support uh, for the Yemen war based on the House and Senate resolutions that are in Congress right now. Um, just cut together um, some some facts from, like, the great com uh really leaned on Dave DeCamp and Scott Horton for that but yeah i think we're about one vote away from that so that probably will be our first one fantastic
0: and uh just an fyi as we're closing here i want to say uh the number to call to call your uh representatives to tell them to to uh support these resolutions uh is 1833 stop war and uh the resolutions uh that you sorry let me pull it up here i don't have it memorized but they're right here uh house joint resolution 87 and then senate joint resolution 56 that's house joint resolution 87 and uh senate joint resolution 56 call your if when you call that number it basically route, it asks for your zip code and routes you to your your congr- uh your congressional representatives you don't have to hunt down their number it, it'll it knows it for you you know call them up and you can leave a message if nobody picks up and just tell them like just really simply hey support this i want the war- war in yemen over and
1: i did that, that and people did actually answer just you know so somebody might pick up so just be prepared yeah. <laughs> and, and also enough, just do it so <laughs>
0: yeah and if enough of us do it they 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 know once election time is coming up and they 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 hear a lot of people doing it like these remember these are politicians they're people that if they lose an election they lose their job so their job is to get elected so if they hear a bunch of people telling them to vote a certain way they'd be like mm, I want to keep my job I'm gonna vote this way now we we're not asking them to be angels and suddenly be good on it we're ask we're asking you guys to influence them so they do the right thing for completely cynical reasons but that's how the system works so please do that one uh, eight three three stop war um, and, uh, we're gonna be doing some more messaging on that. Uh, I'm gonna get, uh, next week, we're gonna try to do more of a push. We're forming up different county affiliates. We'll also, that'll also be messaging on that county affiliates. Don't have the same, uh, restrictions that, um, the state party has. So they're pretty free to basically say anything, especially since they're not formally organized, like the, the, uh, LPO is, but, uh, yeah, we're gonna, uh, hopefully have more to talk about that next week. But I want to thank uh, Travis uh, for coming in and thank you for volunteering for the public policy board. Uh, and I also want to say thank you to my co host, Peter, for coming and uh, helping me do all these podcasts and uh, hope everyone has a great night.
1: me. Cheers. Cheers.